Now on Sunday Extra, we're going to talk about modelling, mathematical modelling, the models that produce weather forecasts, the economic models that guide financial decisions and national economic policies, increasingly also the AI models that determine everything from how cars perform to what appears in social media feeds. Modelling is also the basis of global responses to climate change. And of course, during the COVID-19 pandemic, modelling was hugely influential on really basic decisions about how we lived, where we could go, who we could visit and whether we had to wear masks. And all of that puts modellers, those who design and interpret mathematical models, in a very powerful position. And perhaps particularly because of the pandemic, it's led to more scrutiny about the decisions that go into designing and then analysing models. It's a question that our guests today have given a lot of thought to. Andrea Sartelli is an academic counsellor at the Barcelona School of Management of the University Pompeo Fabra, and he's the co-editor of a new book published on the 25th of August, The Politics of Modelling, Numbers Between Science and Policy. Welcome, Andrea. Uh, thank you for having me. And we're also joined by Dr. Esan Nabavi, who's Senior Lecturer in Technology and Society at the ANU. And uh, Esan also set up and runs their Responsible Innovation Lab. Welcome, Esan. Thanks for having me. One of Esan's recent pieces was titled, COVID-19 showed modelling is broken and this needs urgent fixing. Esan, before we get to those specific examples of COVID-19 pandemic modelling, just how ubiquitous are mathematical models in our lives and in our decision-making, perhaps in ways that we're not really fully aware of? Uh, it's everywhere. You just talk about like from financial decisions, weather forecasting, we use model for thinking about how we want to use, for example, water resources, and of course, like the climate models. And they are very influential, especially for things that are important to us and specifically in the times of crisis. And we treat them often as, as a crystal ball. It's saying that, you know, uh, it gives us this sense of security and control over our future, which is always tempting, isn't it? Andrea, what is it about models that makes them so influential and makes them seem so authoritative? Well, I think that um, we can talk today of a state of exception, which is enjoyed by mathematical modeling. And our book is very much about this kind of situation. Why are the model living in such a state of exception? Well, we analyze uh, several reasons. One is the incredible repertoire of method which mathematical modeling enjoys. But at the same time, mathematical modeling is not a discipline like statistics. You know, statistics is taught in university. There are courses, there are recognized leaders who can talk about statistics and flag problems when they arise. Nothing of the sort in mathematical modeling, which is practiced in a myriad of different disciplines. Mathematics really confer to those who use it a, a sort of epistemic authority. And the result of these mathematical models have a very strong grip on politics in general. And for instance, uh, uh, when you use a mathematical modeling, you can claim some kind of neutrality. And this is also very dangerous because when you look at it very carefully, you discover that models cannot be uh, neutral because they are made by modelers who are people like us with their own hmm. uh, inclination towards few and biases and uh, lead themselves also to some kind of uh, ritual use, you know? I use a model ritually to give the impression that I know what is going on, uh, some kind of impression of uh, prediction and control. And this new book, Andrea, comes from 
a piece that you co-wrote early in the pandemic in June 2020 in the journal Nature, which was co-written by a wide range of concerned scholars. And its title was Five Ways to Ensure that Models Serve Society, a manifesto, which had the very memorable line, mathematical models are a great way to explore questions. They're also a dangerous way to assert answers. What were you seeing back in early 2020 that prompted you and your co-authors to write that manifesto? Well, uh, one particular mathematical modeling developed by Imperial College by Professor Ferguson, a very good model with an incredible pedigree and whatever, but also criticized by many for a number of uh, failures in prediction. Uh, the casus belli was how this model all of a sudden become a kind of uh, Delphi oracle, which uh, all politicians would uh, consult. There was a title on the New York Times to the effect that, oh, see the model which prompted uh, into action both Johnson and Trump uh, to act on COVID. So really, it seemed like there was this mathematical modeling giving a clear direction of policy, and so uh, uh, politicians to cover behind it, you know, oh, we are just following the science. You know, they try to argue their justify their politics based on the prediction of this model. And because I'm a modeler myself, I can tell you that this model was not really the best tool geared to make this kind of suggestion and prediction because uh, it was a mo more a model to study, you know, the possible evolution given a certain hypothesis and not a model to make prediction in a situation of deep uh, uncertainty. And also we noted that uh, with some people, especially on the, on the extreme right of the political spectrum, openly insulting those models for their prediction. No, This was unheard, never happened before that the mathematical modeling was on the receiving side of a campaign <laughs> of denigration. And Esan, did you have similar concerns in Australia at the time? This is back in early 2020? Uh, yes, particularly because I'm a modeler myself, uh, but I did my PhD in sociology. So as a modeler and a sociologist, I had my own concern about the power, like, you know, unprecedented power that models had in our daily life. During the pandemic, I found myself in a live experiment in someone else's model. So I was not anymore a modeler. I was a person participating in someone else's model. And mm. I found that this is very challenging for myself as a modeler, but it's very concerning as a society when you see the model have too much agency. Um, specifically, in the case of COVID, we saw that the model could suspend our basic human rights, whether we should or we could go out or we should cross the border of our country or not, uh, or we should hug our moms or not. I mean, like, you know, these, these are the, the basic things in our life and the model had that power. So I became very interested to the politics of the modeling and how we can make sure uh, modeling become more responsible, both in the way that modelers practice modeling, but also society think more critically about the notion of models and the power models have in their everyday life. And Esan, in the ANU Reporter, you sort of summarised your research into the problems with many COVID-19 models by grouping three sort of sets of major factors. Could you tell us what they were? Sure. Uh, in my research, I started to look at 
to publish papers in the in a peer-reviewed journals or reports or articles, all coming from the researchers who did study COVID modeling and they collected their own reasons why COVID models fail. And I did a review on those papers and just tried to bring them together and figure out what are the common themes here? What are the common factors that uh, contributed to COVID models failure? And I found actually many of those factors are the same in different papers. And to summarize, I can say there are three main factors. One of them was the assumption and the values that people put into the models. So, for example, in the case of COVID, we are talking about the virus, right? So we are talking about the properties of the virus or the death rate and these these factors that are essential in making the model. But also we are talking about like you know, who gets to decide what model is the best model, who is involved in building the model, and what should be in the model and what should be out of the model. So these are the whole range of decisions that we have to make in order to build the model. So this is the one factor and very important factor that contributed to the problems in the in the COVID models. And also the question of the uncertainty, because um, the COVID case was this giant beast uh, full of uncertainty, right? Too many unknowns and even unknown unknowns that we have to squeeze them in some sort of a box and give it a no- number. And we can imagine that, you know, if you squeeze too many things into one box, you have to exclude so many things and sometimes the reality. Many models thought that, you know, this is not a good idea to do uh, modeling. And that's bring us to the third factor, which is um, the context. So we talked about assumption and value. We talked about um, the uncertainty. But all these things need to be discussed in the context. And the problem with the COVID models were many of them were detached from their local context. So they were developed somewhere else and there was no serious or real connection to the local knowledge or the history uh, of the people or the place that those models are going to be applied. So it needs to be more inclusive. So you need to see more deliberation with the public and even non-modeler expert if you want to have a successful model. On RN, we're discussing the politics of modelling with Dr. Esan Nabavi, who we just heard from there, and Andrea Sartelli, who's the co-editor of the new book, The Politics of Modelling. Andrea, we heard Esan talking there about what gets excluded from models, but another interesting point in your manifesto is what seems like perhaps the inverse problem of excessive complexity, and you have a point on minding the hubris. Well, yes, we have several phenomena at play here. The politics of modeling epistemic authority comes not only from mathematics, but from the dimensions, from the size, from the complexity of your mathematical model. The bigger the model uh, it is assumed, the better will be. And this is also the result of a modeler. A modeler don't do that because they have bad intention, but they are led by their craft to make the model bigger and bigger. And so there should be someone looking at them and saying, hold on. But this is not happening. Why? Because on the other side, on the societal side, especially on the political side, it is very much appreciated, this idea of developing a mathematical model which transform a political problem, which would uh, take, you know, decision, even possibly painful decision, uh, into a technical problem. And this has been going on for a very long time, even before COVID, no? So politics is often paradoxical. But if I can show that this uh, paradox, in fact, can be resolved because a mathematical model was used, everyone was happy. 
Yeah, so Andrea, you called for a shift to responsible modelling. What would have to be changed from current practices to get a model of modelling that you think is more responsible? We should really try to breach the divide between those technical and natural sciences and sociological science. Now, when you try to publish on a natural science journal, on a journal of statistics, a paper which has incursion from sociology, most often than not, you are kicked out. This um, articulation of science into silos is really damaging for society because there is no societal check, and this societal check could be brought about by a more fruitful interplay between different families of science. That's a fascinating comment. And Esan, how do you feel that your modelling colleagues respond to calls like these for more responsible modelling and, I suppose, a bit of soul-searching about the assumptions that go into models? No, I agree. This is challenging because of this big divide between natural science and the social science. And that's actually... That's my definition of responsible, in which social, ethical, and political aspect of the model has the same importance to the modelers as the technical side, right? So we, as as modelers, we tend to focus on the technical side, and we think that, you know, social or political aspect or ethical aspect is not my domain. And actually, what COVID showed us very clearly that this is not correct, just to give you this story of myself, like, you know, when I was back in the day, when I was a hydrologist, I was working in a water conflict situation in between two provinces in Iran. And each side, they had their own group of expert water modelers. And I remember one day I was presenting my model's result to them, to one of the stakeholders in one of the provinces. And this woman stand up and say, your result is not good for us. <laughs> And why should I believe you and your model? So it was just a moment for me thinking with myself, yep, that's a fair question. Mm. Uh, because I knew that there, there are limitations to my model. And I think that's the challenge that we have to deal with. The question of the trust to the model, how we can make sure the model is inclusive enough or responsive enough or transparent enough so people trust you or trust your model yeah, a consequence of what uh, Ethan was talking about is that if we don't fix this situation, not only people will lose faith in mathematical modeling, but they will lose faith in science, and especially in the kind of science that is used in support of policy. So the next time some uh, a politician will say, oh, I'm consulting with my scientists, people will simply laugh, you know. Uh, and we are seeing this already in what's happening with COVID, with vaccine resistance, which is uh, before COVID was... Uh, minority phenomenon, and today instead uh, has reached an incredible fraction of the population. Uh, this is a direct consequence of poor use of expertise in managing uh, complex crises like COVID. So uh, mathematical models bear part of the responsibility for this evolution. So going back to what Andrea is saying, there is a role for society because if we agree that these models are shaped by a group of people, and those models are going to shape the society. We need to talk about the assumptions, the values, uncertainty, the context. All those factors that fail us in the COVID models need to be part of the conversation and not just get fixated on the results. Well, thank you for bringing that discussion to RN, Dr. Esan Nababi. <laughs> thank you for having us.
And Esan, Senior Lecturer in Technology and Society at the ANU, where he also runs the Responsible Innovation Lab. And thanks also to you, Andrea Saltelli. Thank you. And Andrea is the co-editor of the new book, The Politics of Modelling, Numbers Between Science and Policy, out from the 25th of August. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.